right, if you got your Bible, go ahead and open to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, um, I will be uh, very honest with you. I don't think I've ever preached out of Nehemiah before. Um, I, I had a series planned, a three-week series I was going to do on Nehemiah uh, starting uh, August 27th. Uh, and then August 25th, we found out we were moving. Uh, and so everything changed and all my schedule got m- messed up in an awesome way. And so I kind of put that on the back burner. And, and now I feel like God's kind of brought me back to that place and actually expanded it. And we're, we're going to spend six weeks studying the book of Nehemiah. If you're not sure where Nehemiah is, uh, because your pastor never preaches out of it, and I'll try to help you out. Um, it's after the book of Ezra and before the book of Esther. Uh, so between the E's, Ezra was a guy, Esther was a girl, uh, and Nehemiah's book is sandwiched right between them in the Old Testament. Um, before you get to the book of Psalms. So Psalms is kind of, usually when I open randomly to the middle, it's somewhere in Psalms because Psalms is long. So if you get to Psalms, go left, uh, and, and you'll find it eventually. Uh, book of Nehemiah. Um, this is a historic season in our church. Just in, in, in case you guys don't know, I'm going to tell you just a little bit of our history because I think before we talk about destiny, before we can talk about where we're going, it's important to know where we've been, right? So... Our church started January 25th, 2004. Uh, Pastor Jason Delgado uh, felt moved on by the Holy Spirit uh, sometime, I believe, in the year 2002 to move his family from San Diego, California, where they were pastoring uh, a church there, and, and to come back to Mississippi. He was originally from Mississippi and to start a church. And so they moved to Mississippi. Uh, they, they felt like God was saying DeSoto County. And so they came to DeSoto County. They didn't know anybody. They actually found out they had two friends from, from their distant past who lived in the area. Um, and they connected with them. And, and those people ended up becoming part of the church. And, and they started building something. Uh, and early on, it grew fast. Man, early on, God did something very cool and very unique uh, to the point where by about 18 months in, they were ready to start hiring full-time staff. Um, And so uh, I was hired to be the youth pastor uh, right around the one-and-a-half-year mark. Um, I was the the first full-time hire after Pastor Jason, but right behind me, we hired an associate pastor, and we hired a, a what we called communications pastor. He was really our graphics guy. He was part-time. So we went from Jason is the only part-time staff to three and a half staff uh, in, in a very short period of time. And, and God was doing something awesome, and we were so excited. The church was called Church on the Horizon, and we really believed, man, that, that God had something incredible on the horizon for us. And then through uh, a number of pieces of bad news, things kind of slowly started to fall apart. We had a miniature church split. I don't know if you guys have ever been through a church split. It hurts. Man, when, when you know, you're a family, right? That's what a church is supposed to be, when you're a family, and, and then you've got a kind of a piece of the family that's, that's ripped away. And we had, had about six very key, very core families leave, uh, and very upset, uh, and, and we were not able to reach reconciliation and peace with them. And then shortly after that, there, there was a move that we did not choose, that uh, the, the facility where the church started out. Let me tell you this. You may not know this about your church. Our first services for the first two years and three months of our church, we met on AstroTurf. I do not know of any other church that can say that. We're special. Maybe not good special, but we're special. Uh, so we met on AstroTurf over at uh, what is now the Bancorp South building. Uh, It it used to be Doolin's in South Haven on Getwell Road, uh, and we rented out a room, which was normally a batting cage, and we led people to Jesus in a batting cage. That's how, that's how this church got started. A lot of you probably didn't know that about us. Uh, So we started on AstroTurf, and uh, uh, the the city ended up purchasing that building, and they decided they wanted to do something different with us, so they asked us to move, and they made us uh, and, and a very nice offer on a place. And so we moved across town, and, and we lost some people because we moved so far. And, and some other things happened, and I don't have time to take you through everything, but we went through a, a dark season for our church. So dark that by 2012, so, so really things probably were from 2007 
was when it probably first started getting bad, uh, all the way to 2012. So over that five years, we'd been through about four or five different facilities. We, we moved a lot. We, and, uh, we moved one time um, because we were meeting at Whispering Woods Conference Center right over here in Olive Branch. Uh, that, was the first, that was our first Olive Branch location. Uh, and as we were meeting over there, they decided to host a KKK convention. Um, and it hit the news, uh, and there were death threats and protests and all this. And we had a dream, a vision, to be a church that looked like heaven. And when I say a vision, we looked like the KKK. Like, we were white, okay? Uh, we, we were very, very white. Uh, but, but we had a dream to not just be white. We had a dream to be something greater than that, and we knew we couldn't get tied up in that. So, so we had to move kind of all of a sudden. So, in fact, that very next Sunday, we met right behind us over here at the Senior Center. Um, that, was our, that was our one stop. We had to have something for one Sunday. Where are we going to go? So we went and met at the Senior Center. Then our next permanent location was Skate Odyssey. Uh, so, so we went from AstroTurf to Ku Klux Klan to Skating Rink. Um, we, we've got an amazing history. Um, and, and anyway, by the time in March of 2012, when, when Ricky Grant, who was the second pastor here, resigned, our, our elder board and our staff both said, you know what, that's it, we're done. We're going to shut the doors. There's just it's too hard to keep fighting for this thing. Every, cha- every time we turn around, there's more bad news. Maybe this just isn't supposed to happen. Maybe it was only supposed to be for a season, and maybe that season is over, and, and God in his goodness and his grace, God had a different plan. God had a better plan. And so why do I tell you all that? I, I tell you all that this morning because I, I think that the story of our church is important, and I love talking about our church. But I also think maybe you're that person that you're at that low place right now. Maybe in your life, your, your life kind of looks like City Church looked five years ago. Maybe you've, man, you've taken a lot of bad punches. Maybe you've been through a, a rough season. It seems like every time the phone rings, there's more bad news. And our family's falling apart. And, and things just don't seem to be working right. Can I tell you this morning, don't give up. Don't give up hope. Don't give up on God. Because just because you're in a dark season and just because that dark season may last longer than you want it to. Because trust me, our dark season lasted longer than we ever thought it would. Doesn't mean that thing is the end. Doesn't mean there's a period on it. There's a God who is at work. There's a God who has a plan. And I can look at you with all honesty today, City Church. And even if we didn't just get this building, I can tell you that our church is so much healthier today than it was five years ago. Man, that our church is in such a better place today than it was in 2012. And, and that God has done incredible things over the past five years. And now I believe he's got much, much bigger things in store for us over the next five years. So, so we're going to talk about destiny because I think history matters and it's important, but the future is always more important, right? Like we, we're, our past doesn't define us. Our God defines us. And just because the past may look one way never means that the future has to look the same. We have six weeks left in this building, six weeks left in, in what I would call this chapter of our story. God's going to begin a new chapter, and, and that chapter over there may not be our final chapter. Who knows what God may have beyond that, but I believe it's going to be a long chapter. I believe it's going to be a good chapter. I believe it's going to be an exciting chapter. Uh, we have six weeks to, to position ourselves, I believe, to best step in to our destiny. Pastor Rick Warren uh, wrote, a, wrote a very famous book that perhaps you're familiar with called Purpose Driven Life, but before he wrote purpose-driven life, he wrote a book called The Purpose-Driven Church. And in The Purpose-Driven Church, he said that every church is like a surfer. Now, Rick Warren is in Orange County, California, so this illustration makes sense if you're in Orange County, California. I'm in Olive Branch, Mississippi. I've never surfed in my life. I've seen some waves. Um, I don't think, I can't skateboard, so I'm pretty sure that means I can't surf. Uh, I can't get up on a board. So, so you're going to have to go with me into this illustration. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to use his illustration because I think it, it, it's amazing if you can really wrap your head around it. So he says that a church, any church, is like a surfer. He said the surfer cannot conjure up the waves. The surfer can't make a a big wave come. The surfer can't determine how high the wave is going to be or the angle of the wave or the speed of the wave. He can't determine anything about the wave. The only thing that a surfer can do 
is spot the wave coming and position himself ready to ride the wave when it gets there. City Church, we can't make God move. God is bigger than us. His ways are bigger than us. His thoughts are higher than ours. He's beyond us. We can't force God into anything. He's sovereign. He's God, right? But you know what we can do? We can watch when God sends a wave. And we can be ready and prepare ourselves and we can make a decision. You know what? Maybe other churches or maybe other people might step back and just admire that wave and say, man, that wave is pretty awesome. Man, look at that beautiful wave. That's an exciting wave. But I'm not going to be the one that steps back and watches the wave. I'm going to be the one that paddles out into the wave. I'm going to be the one that positions myself to ride the wave, and I'm going to do everything I can to let that wave take me as far as God determines he wants it to go. I believe that is the best picture I can give you this morning of where we are as a church right now. We are out in the ocean with the surfboard, and God has sent the biggest, baddest, most beautiful, most amazing, most incredible wave he's ever sent our way in the history of our church. The greatest provision he's ever given us, the biggest miracle he's ever done for our church is happening right now. There is a wave on the way, and we can step back and we can say, man, look how awesome that is. Or we can dare to have the faith, the courage, the boldness, the crazy, and say, you know what, we're going to paddle out into the middle of that big old monster wave. And we're going to see what happens if we get on the top of that thing, and we're going to see where God sends us. And that City Church, as your pastor, that's where I'm at. I'm paddling out into the wave. I want to see how far God can propel us forward with this thing. And I'm inviting you. I'm challenging you. I'm daring you. Paddle out with me. Let's see what happens. And I'll tell you straight up, I don't know how to surf. Right? I don't know what's going to happen on this wave. I don't know how far God wants to take us. I don't know what this momentum is going to do for us. But I know this. Three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, we're not going to be the same church because we're not supposed to be the same church. Because if we were supposed to be the same church, he wouldn't have blessed us with a building and with property and with everything he's giving us over there. To whom much is given, much is required. We have been given much. I'm talking about much. I'm talking about I've talked to some other pastor friends in the area, and and I almost feel guilty because, man, there's some coveting going on from some pastors, right? Like there's there's some guys looking like, I can't believe, how did you guys get this? We didn't. We didn't do this. I didn't pray for this. I didn't fast for this. I didn't believe God for this. I didn't ask for this. I mean, this is so far beyond what I was asking God for. This is just him. I didn't conjure up this wave, City Church. I get no credit for this. I desire no credit for this. This is not me. This is so much bigger than me. This is something that only God can do. Only God can send the wave. Only God can cause that thing. But we get a chance to say, you know what, maybe that wave isn't just meant for us to admire. Maybe that wave is meant for us to ride. Maybe that meant is that, that wave is meant to inspire us to some boldness we've never walked in before. Maybe that wave is meant to inspire us to some growth we've never experienced before. Maybe that wave is meant to challenge me to paddle faster than I've ever paddled before and further from shore than I've ever gone before. Maybe that wave has been sent by God to help be an igniter to challenge me to grow. And I believe if we'll look at that wave and we'll embrace that wave together and we'll paddle into that wave together, we'll come out of that wave different than we went into it. We're going to have some stronger spiritual muscles. We're going to have some greater experiences. We're going to have some testimony and some stories that are beyond some of the waves we've ever ridden before. But we got to make the decision to paddle into the wave and to ride that thing as far as God will allow us. Oh, God, let not one of us miss the wave that you're sending. Because he's sending a wave, City Church. He's sending a wave like I've never seen before. Let, let me give you some specifics. If maybe you're like, okay, you got a new building. Cool. Why are you so excited? Quit crying. Let me tell you about it. 
the land that we've been given is six acres. The, the building that we've been given uh, along with the parsonage um, and the contents inside of it, everything that's been given to us uh, was evaluated for insurance recently at $1.2 million for free. For free. $1.2 million. To put that in context for you, we just spent three months raising $20,000. In fact, we went over our goal. We raised $22,000 for some renovations. If you put that on a, on a per-month average, we raised about $7,500 per month for three months. So let's just say we could do that every month. Let's just say that we didn't tap out our savings and, and tap out our people, and we could raise $7,500 a month for forever. Do you know how long it would take for us to raise $1.2 million? I did the math. I'll tell you. It would take us 13 years and four months. If we stretched every month the same way that we stretched for those three months, if we sacrificed every month the same way that we sacrificed for those months, now realistically, that's probably not what could happen. Realistically, if we were doing a 13-year, four-month building plan, we wouldn't probably be able to give at that same pace. So it would be like an 18-year or a 20-year or a 25-year. You see, this thing that God is doing is not something any of us could have done. I don't know about you. I don't have $1.2 million in my bank account. Uh, if you got $1.2 million in your bank account, let's go to lunch. Uh, let's talk. Uh, but uh, far as I know, that kind of money is not sitting in our church today. But we serve a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We serve a God who says, I shall supply all your needs according to my riches and glory, not according to yours. And we stepped out with our little bit of faith. And God said, check out this wave. I'm sending something big. There's a piece of me, I'll be very honest with you, see, church, there's a piece of me that is terrified. Just being real. To whom much is given, much is required. God is expecting something from us. And that starts with me. It's not just me, but it starts with me. I'm going to give an account for the way that I led our church through this season. I'm going to give an account for the way that I rode this wave. This is going to be one of the things that I answered to God for one day. What did you do with the amazing gift I gave you? If you go back to the parable of the talents, right? The master goes off and he gives one guy five talents and one guy two talents and one guy one talent. And they didn't have to respond based on how much they were given. They just had to respond based on what did they do with what they got. And we're getting a lot, which means he's expecting a lot from us. Our destiny is big, and that's awesome, and that excites me, and it fires me up, but it also terrifies me. Because it means we're going to have to do some things differently than what we've done. If you're really, really comfortable with City Church, you're like, man, I love this church, and I hope this church never changes. I got really bad news for you. Really, really bad news for you. We're going to have to change. We're going to have to grow. We're going to have to do some things differently. We're going to have to approach some things differently. That doesn't mean that the things that God's done in this era is bad or this season is bad. It doesn't mean that, that, we, that we look down on this season at all. It just means for the new season, for the new era, for the new destiny, for the new wave, we're going to have to operate some things differently. Now, I don't have like 17 things I'm going to tell you we're going to do different. I don't even know. I'm still trying to figure this stuff out myself. But I know it's not going to be the same. I know we're going to have to do a lot of things differently. I, I've never in my life been in a season where I had to make so many decisions so quickly. Pray for me. And I'm not, that's not a joke. Like, for real, pray for me. So I'm having to make a lot of decisions very, very fast. And, and there's a lot of stuff I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And God's like, I picked you anyway. Good luck. <laughs> right? And I'm doing my best to, like, talk to people who do know what they're doing and, and talk to experts in their fields and getting as much consulting as I can. I don't mean to make this like this like horrible, horrifying, terrible thing. This is the coolest like six weeks of my life. This is like the, amazing what God's up to. I'm so excited for what he's doing. We're going to write books one day about this wave that we're riding. I truly believe that. 13 years God did for us in one phone call, $1.2 million. Um, nobody could have made that happen but him. So God's put a plan in our hearts to prepare for November 5th as well as we possibly can. To where, here's what we want, City Church. I'll just, just be real clear about this goal. We don't want November 5th to be an end point. We want that to be a beginning point. 
that, that, that we would be positioned November 5th for this wave that we are riding to carry us into 2018 to 2019 into 2020 and beyond. That the things that God does over the next six weeks and the things that, that we prepare, the stuff that we get ready in ourselves and in our facility would be there in such a way that we would be able to ride this wave for as long as God would allow. November 5th is our date with destiny. In fact, if you've got your smartphone, got your iCal, whatever, uh, go ahead and pull it out and just mark November 5th on your calendar. You just need to know that's a big day. You need to be there. You got to find a way. Do your best November 5th. If you're old school and you've got like your planner with you, then write it in your planner. Um, November the 5th, that's a big day. Why is it a big day? I believe it's going to be the biggest non-Easter, non-Christmas attendance we've ever had in our church. Um, more people means more opportunity to tell people about Jesus. It's a good thing. Why do we count people? Because we count people because people count. Because every number represents an eternity. Every face or every name has a soul. Every name has an opportunity to spend eternity somewhere. So that's why we count people. That's why people are important. Not that we can say, look how many people came to church. We're bigger and better than we used to be. It's not about that. It's about the mission that God's given us to reach our city by reaching one. That doesn't change. The location changes. The ways that we can reach our city by reaching one will change. There's, there's some things we won't be able to do the same way we did over here. And there's a whole lot of things we'll be able to do a whole lot better over there. It's going to look a little bit different, but the mission stays the same. We're going to reach this city by reaching one. We're going to renovate the building that God's blessed us with so that you have an absolutely incredible place to worship God. We're going to renovate the building that God's blessed us with so that it will be ready for the people that God wants to send us. If it was just us, City Church, we could go over there tomorrow and make no changes. It's an awesome building. You guys have taken great care of it. Those who are from Branch Assembly who are with us this morning, man, we're so grateful for you. Can you just give them a round of applause? I know we did it last week, but thank you. We are so thrilled and so honored to have you guys as part of what we're doing. Um, It's awesome. It's incredible. Uh, You guys have done a great job taking care of it. If it was just about us, we could go over there and start having church tomorrow and and worship God together and be fine. But but it's not just about us. It's about the people that God's called us to reach. And so we're going to make some improvements. The building was first built back in the 1960s. Um, if you, I live in a house that was built in the 1960s. Sometimes it needs some work, right? Like sometimes there's some, some stuff that needs to be updated. Sometimes there's some things that are old. We've got some plumbing that we're just like praying that it holds up because it's been there a whole long time, right? And, and so we're going to go over there and we're going to freshen up some things. We're going to update some things. We're going to do some things that, that need to be done. I was told the carpet's been in there for over 30 years. Uh, carpet that's been there 30 years is not great carpet anymore. It's just not, and, and so that's not to, to, to diss it. It's just to say it served its season. Man, God used that for, for its season, and now its season's over, and we're going to take this up. And so we're going to make some changes and do some things to the building and, and renovate some things and, and make things the way that, that God has placed in our heart. Um, I believe there's a story in Scripture that applies to our situation very well, and if you're tuned in, you probably know it's going to be from the book of Nehemiah. So, so in the book of Nehemiah, um, here's what I want to do. I, I want to just give you a little bit of context. We're not going to spend a ton of time here today, but I want to set this series up for you, set this passage up for you, and we'll, we'll get a lot more in-depth as we go. But Nehemiah is a Bible book that, that records the story of a man named Nehemiah. It's real tricky. If the Bible has a name on the book, it's probably about that person. Yeah, the Bible is real tricky. Um, so, so it's about this guy named Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a man who, who was a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes in, in the Persian Empire. And, and he's his cupbearer, and Jerusalem is in ruins. The, the Jerusalem had, had been taken off to captivity years and years and years ago, uh, and, and God had actually moved on, on, on a group to go and rebuild the temple. And so the temple had been rebuilt, and there were people who were living there, but the city walls were still destroyed. Uh, And because the city walls were destroyed, it it meant a few things. It meant that they were vulnerable to attack, that bullies and and others from around could come and ransack them and take their stuff. But it was more than even just the physical. There was an emotional side to it that because the walls were in ruin, it it, it meant that the people there weren't very valuable. That it was a reflection on them. But even beyond them, it was more importantly, it was a reflection on their God. Jerusalem was the holy city. It was the city of the worship of the one true God. And if Jerusalem was in ruins, then, then it told the world that that God couldn't be very powerful. 
that God couldn't be very strong. And so Nehemiah was burdened for his city. I think we'd all be wise to, to be burdened for our city. Man, the place that God has placed us, the place that God has sent us, wherever God has us, we need to get a burden for that city, man. You may not love the area that you're from. You may have a love-hate relationship with it, but God puts you in that area for a reason. And so Nehemiah gets a burden for Jerusalem. And he goes to the king, and, he's, and, and he basically risks his life. And we'll talk about this more later on in the series. But, but he risks his life to go to the king and, and asks him, will you, will you allow me to go to Jerusalem and, and put together a team and rebuild the walls? And, and the king has favor on him because God has favor on him. And he sends him. And so Nehemiah rallies the people, and they begin to work on the wall. And Nehemiah chapter 3 is probably the most boring chapter in the book. But what's the one we're going to read? Because that's how we roll. Check this out. Nehemiah chapter 3. I want you to see this. Because what does it do? It just starts naming the people who worked on the wall. It starts listing everybody who worked on the wall. If you're reading this by yourself, you're like, I don't even know how to pronounce half these names. Why is this in here? I don't care about these people. But hang with me because I think it's important. Check this out. It says, Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests, they went to work, and they rebuilt the sheep gate. That was one of the gates to the city. They dedicated it, and they set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshalem, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezabel, made repairs. Aren't you glad you're not a pastor? You don't have to say all those words out loud. Like, thank you, Jesus, you called me to something else. Uh, and next to him, Zadok, son of Banna, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. How cool is it that God, because again, God is the author of scripture. His Holy Spirit moved on men to write these things down. How cool is it that God felt that it mattered who rebuilt the wall? God said, you know what, it matters who was involved in this. You, you, you may not have luxurious lives. You may live in a city that's in ruins. You may not have the most important position and the most important job right now. But what you're doing is significant. And I want every generation in history that comes behind you to know you are the one who is a part of rebuilding this wall. I think it's awesome. God chose to name each one and where they worked. The book of Acts is one of my favorite books in all of scripture. And uh, it records the foundations of the church. I'm a church nerd. Apart from the fact that, that I work for a church, apart from the fact that I'm a pastor for a church, it, I, I love church. I love church history. I love studying the way that God has used church. I, I just, I think this stuff is awesome. And, and so the book of Acts is, of course, one of my favorite books because it's the beginnings of the church. It's the foundation of the church. It's the working of the church. And, and the book of Acts is really unique because it ends in a very peculiar way. I don't know if you're familiar, but there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. And as you get to the end of the 28th chapter, it's like the author of Acts, which was a man named Luke, who was very brilliant. He was a doctor. He was a phenomenal writer. Luke just ended it abruptly. Like there's no ending. There's no conclusion. It just doesn't make sense. In fact, a, a friend of a friend is a historian. Uh, he's not a Christian, he's a historian. And so he read the book of Acts, not from a Christian perspective, but from a historical perspective. And he got really into it. He thought it was really interesting. There's one of like the, the earliest firsthand accounts of a shipwreck is in the book of Acts. There's a lot of really cool historical things there, uh, apart from the biblical significance. But then he said he got to the end of chapter 28, and he just started laughing out loud. He was like, how ridiculous. I've never seen a book in all of my studies of history and in all the things I took in school. I've never read a book that ends like the book of Acts. Here's what a lot of Bible scholars believe and what I believe. The ending of the book of Acts is not an accident. It didn't end abruptly because Luke died in the middle of writing it. It didn't end abruptly because somehow some pages got torn out and we don't have the conclusion. It ended abruptly because the story is still being written. The church has not stopped. The church simply begun in Acts, but the stories are continuing to be written. Psalm 139.16 puts it this way. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Revelation 20.12 says it like this. It says, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. 
Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. You see, there are books in heaven, books that are recording everything that is happening on earth. Everything that you do, everything that I do, our deeds, our our mistakes, uh, the things that we sacrifice, all of that is being written down. And as Christians, that's not a... It's not a terrifying thing. It's not a fearful thing because all of our mistakes, all of our sins, covered by the blood of Jesus. It's a thing to celebrate, man. We don't have to look at that fearfully. But God does let us know it's all being written down. And that we have the opportunity to live our lives in such a way that when we get to the end of our story and we get to heaven and God reads our book, that we can be proud of the way we live. That we can be proud of the things We did. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 puts it like this, verse 9 through 11. Paul says, so we make it our goal to please him. What a statement. We make it our goal to please him. If you could have one goal for your life, man, I don't care what you do. I don't care what your education level is. I don't care what your profession is. I don't care what your family looks like. Every single one of us in here, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, if we've received his salvation, that needs to be our goal. Man, January 1st every year, that's my new goal, right? Make it my goal to please him, to please Jesus. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. In fact, in other words, if we're here on earth or we're in heaven. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. I'll give you one more. 1 John 2.28 says, And now, dear children, continue in him. So that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. I want to be confident. I want to be unashamed. I want to live my life in such a way that he's proud when I see him. Nehemiah recorded everybody who worked on the wall, every part of the wall that they worked on. I think that's pretty awesome. But you know what else he wrote down? He actually wrote down everybody who didn't work on the wall. Did you catch this in verse 5? It says, the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. There was glory for those who did the work, who sacrificed, who made it happen, but it wasn't overlooked that there were some who were too good for it. Notice it's the nobles. It's, it's, it's the wealthy, right? It's the yeah, somebody else can do this. I don't have time for this. Let none of us be the, no, the noble from Tekoa. Let none of us be the one that says, you know what? I'm too good to be a part of what God is doing. Nehemiah needed everybody involved. Why? Because the task was big and the population was small. I believe we need the same thing at City Church. I believe we need everybody involved. I'm asking you guys, I'm going to make the biggest asks I've ever made as a pastor here for the next six weeks. Only for six weeks. We're not doing this forever. We're not going to get over there and then keep on working and keep on working. Man, we're going to breathe. We're going to get the holidays, and you can go, man, see your crazy family and do your crazy things, and it'll be fine. But, but for six weeks, I'm going to ask that we can step up and, and, and do some things in a bigger way. In fact, we've got some ushers who have some details for us. If you guys can go ahead and start passing that information out. Don't look at it as it gets passed out. Uh, just go ahead and hold on to it. I'll, I'll bring your attention to it shortly. But if you guys can start passing that out, I'd really appreciate it. Um, what's so interesting about Nehemiah's wall is that most of the people who worked on his wall weren't professionals. Uh, he didn't bring in the greatest contractors. They didn't bring in the people who, who had the greatest training and, and bring in the, the most skilled people that money could buy. They brought in everybody. Uh, they brought in florists and planters and farmers and priests and, and, and everybody who was a part of the community, jewelers were a part of putting this wall together. See, God could have done it any way he wanted to, right? God could have spoke and the wall was rebuilt. You, you get that, right? God could send that wave if he wanted to. God could do the same thing for us if he wanted to. He, he just sent this big wave. He could just say, you know what? I'm just going to breathe this thing out and all the renovations you want are going to be done. God could do that, but he's not going to. You know why? Because God's not in the business of doing what we can do. He's in the business of doing what only he can do. And so he wants us to have a part. He wants you to have a part. He wants me to have a part in putting this thing the way that we're going to put it. God used ordinary people to accomplish something extraordinary. He did this time and time and time again in Scripture, and I believe he's going to do the same thing with us. So how can we step into our destiny together 
at City Church. Here's what I want to put together for you today. I'm going to ask you five things for the next six weeks. Five things for six weeks. We're going to ask these same five things every Sunday for the next six weeks. So just get ready. Keep putting these five things out there in front of you. Keep reminding you. We're going to keep on tilling this soil. The, The first one, if you're taking notes today, here's my first ask. How can we step into our destiny at City Church? Number one, pick some work days. You've got two half sheets that that are kind of different shape. The the less pretty one is the first one you need to look at. This one uh, is the first one I want you to notice. Um, This has all of our work day dates on it. Um, Do do you guys have this one yet? No? Okay, sorry. That was the... We'll wait on that. Uh, I'll go ahead and start telling you the dates uh, while they're getting those out. So uh, September 30th, this Saturday is our first work day. Uh, here's how our work days are going to go. They're going to be from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. every Saturday for the next five weeks. Um, we're going to provide lunch every Saturday for people who work. Um, but don't do this. Don't show up at 12 uh, so you can eat lunch for an hour and then work for 10 minutes and then I got to go. Like, like, that's for people who are there at 9 o'clock come in to help us out. We're going to do 9 to 2 for five weeks. Here's what I'm asking. I'm not asking you to do all five, although I've already had a couple people tell me they're going to. And if you can, that's awesome. Here's what I'm asking. Can you do two? Can you give me two Saturdays between now and, and when we move into our new building? Two, two Saturdays. And when I say two, that's, that's nine to two. Man, if you can give me those two five-hour blocks of time where you can be there. Um, obviously, if you can do more, awesome. If you can't do that, I work every Saturday. I get it. That, that's fine. But, man, if you're available, if you can make this happen for us, we need as many hands on deck as we can get them. So, so what we're going to ask you to do is, is you can fill this out and turn this in today. You can fill it out next week, whenever. Um, but but it, as best as you can, uh, get it in by next week. That way we can have a rough idea of how many people are coming for different work days, who's going to be there when, et cetera, Mercedes. Yes, let me, let me talk on that. Um, we are going to do our best to get child care set up. Mercedes is going to do child care every week. Just kidding. Mercedes is doing child care. Give it up for Mercedes. That's awesome. Awesome. Yes, and we got great kids' rooms, and we'll switch them around from different rooms when other ones are being worked on, and that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, so let us know what you can commit to. Um, and then here at the bottom, it has a spot for you to kind of circle any special skills. Now, I'll just tell you straight up, I have none, okay? I, I am not Napoleon Dynamite. I got no bow-staff skills. Like, no, like, like, I'm not that guy. So don't be embarrassed if you circle general, because that's what I'm circling, okay? You're my people. I'm with you. It's okay. But God has also blessed us with people who know how to do stuff, and we need you. Uh, So if you are gifted at painting, special skills painting isn't like I can do finger paints, right? Like it means like I, I actually have an ability to paint. Like I could go in and paint my room, and it would look like somebody did it professionally. Um, We need to know who you are so we can correspond with you on on dates and equipment and have that stuff ready. Carpentry. We're going to be expanding and kind of redoing the stage. There's going to be a big carpentry job for anybody who has some some carpentry skills there. Um, Cleaning. Uh, I don't know if that's a special skill, but I I think it is because I don't have it. Um, So uh, if you are good at cleaning, you can ask my wife. She's smiling right there. Um, If you're good at cleaning, uh, we got a lot that needs to be cleaned up. Not because it's been taken care of poorly. It's just a big place. Um, And and there's some things we're going to go in and deep clean and and some stuff we're going to do to get done to get it ready. Um, Yard work. There's a lot. If you've got a big ride-on lawnmower, we're going to have one day we get about six lawnmowers out there and get that thing trimmed down and and nice before we do fall festival over there. Um, If you can let us know any of those special skills, then I put a spot for other because, again, I'm sure there's others that I don't even know about. I don't know that we need any plumbers, but if you've got plumbing skills, let me know because we might need you. Um, Other stuff may come up. Um, Electrical, you you know, like other stuff may come up as we're going. So let us know what it is so that we we know who to call. Um, This does not mean we're doing everything. We are hiring professionals for some of this. We're not doing what Nehemiah did uh, because... We don't live right there. Like, they lived next to their wall, and they built their wall, and that was kind of their thing. It's it's a little different situation. So we are going to hire some professionals for some of this, but we're going to do a whole lot of it as much as we can in-house, save as much of God's money as we can, um, and and allow us to be a part of it. Um, So that's the first thing is pick your work days. Um, Pick your work days, pick your work days. Let me give you a couple principles about the work days um, that, that will help you. 
understand what's going on. So each Saturday, uh, we're going to have different project managers who are over different things. So we may have a project manager over painting. Oh, I didn't even mention this, demolition. Demolition, there's a lot we're going to be doing demolition on. There's a couple walls we're taking out. There's a whole area around the stage we're doing demo on. So if you like swinging a crowbar or we had somebody, when we were going to do demolition here four weeks ago, we had somebody bring his chainsaw. He was ready. Okay, uh, so if you got a chainsaw, you want to cut some stuff down, bring your chainsaw. Uh, we're going to do some big, some major demolition as well. That's going to be early on in the work days. That'll be probably the first one and possibly the second. We're hoping to get it all done the first work day on the demo side. Um, so all that's coming up. Uh, but we'll have project managers who are over different things. So we'll have somebody who's over demolition. We'll have somebody who's over painting. We'll have somebody who's over yard work. Like we'll have different project managers. And, and I know you guys are brilliant, and I know you have amazing ideas, but with the project manager is going to know what needs to be done, and if they say, hey, we're going to do it this way, then we're going to do it that way. Um, and, and that brings us to the second principle. We have such an easy church. I don't even think about this, but it's good I talk to other pastors because they give me warnings on things. Um, I, I talked to another pastor from Olive Branch, a really good friend of mine, and he said they did a renovation project a few years back, and he found out that the proverbial church that splits over the co- color of the carpet isn't actually a proverbial church. Like, it was his church. Like, this stuff actually happens where people get crazy about, we want it to look like this, and no, I want it to look like this. Guys, we are... We've got a unified church, and we are not giving that up over the color of carpet. It is not worth it. we got a church that loves each other, and I'm not sacrificing that so that we can argue over what color goes on this kid's city wall or that kid's city wall. We're, we're just not. So, so our, our project managers are going to have that information, and trust me, it's not just me making decisions. We're talking to experts. We're talking to, to other pastors who are coming in who are from bigger churches who have better ideas than us. We're, we're researching this stuff out. But, but when you get there, you may not, maybe, man, it would be so much better if we did this color. Man, make your room that color and make it shine. Uh, but, but, but we're going to do it the way the managers are going to know, hey, here's what needs to be done. Now, you may have suggestions on a better way to do it that will save us time or help us do it with more excellence. We will hear those, those suggestions. But when it comes to what we specifically, we, let's not do this color, let's not do that, hold those suggestions to yourself. Make it easy on our project managers. They're volunteers just like you. Man, they're, they're there sacrificing their time, giving up their day to make this stuff happen. So let's take it easy on them. Um, thirdly, principle uh, on work day is just good principle to have. Stuff's going to happen. Unexpected stuff's going to happen. We're going to get into it and find out this thing that we thought we could do, we can't do, or this doesn't work out the way we wanted it to, or we can't do this project on this day, even though we said we were going to do this project on this day because this other project didn't get finished. Just, just walk with a spirit of flexibility. Um, Just like we're going on a mission trip. Before we ever go on a mission trip, I always train all our people, be flexible, because everything's going to change that you think is going to happen. This is our mission trip. This is our mission trip to Olive Branch. This is our mission trip to our church. Be flexible. Stuff will change. Uh, be prepared for it. So number one, pick your work days. Number two way that you can help us step into our destiny, and I'm going to move quickly through this, guys. Number two, if you haven't already, join the GO team. The GO team is what we call those who serve here at City Church. It's the people who make this thing happen. It's, it's those who serve in Kids City. It's those who serve in First Impressions, those who serve in our media, those who serve at the 662, those who serve here in worship. Um, I've got a sign-up sheet out at the Connection Center for you to join the GO team. Um, this is for anybody who's not serving currently um, or anybody who is serving, but hey, I can, I can serve in another area as well. I can pick up uh, another area. And there's, there's three areas on the sign-up sheet out there because right now the worship team is in pretty good shape. Uh, and the 662 leadership, we got a lot of people there. Um, the other three areas, we need people, and we're going to need more of them before we get to the other building. Um, if we get over there with, with just who's serving right now, we're not going to be able to handle the wave that I think God is sending. I'm just going to be real. We, we need more people to get involved. So here's the three areas that we need more people in. Uh, number one is first impressions. Uh, Bobby Costin, raise your hand, Bobby. Bobby is awesome. He's our first impressions director. And He's eating up the applause. Uh, Bobby serves wholeheartedly, man. He loves this church uh, from the bottom of his heart. Um, he, he oversees our first impressions team. Uh, one of the things that's going to happen over there, we're going to have more than one entrance. What up? Uh, we won't all have to go in and out the same door. That's awesome. Uh, it's like, man, we're so blessed. We have two doors. Uh, it's great, but it also means we need more people to be at doors, to welcome people. 
Uh, so, so we're going to need a, a deeper first impressions team. We're going to need more people who, who are there to, just to love on people. And, and man, we want friendly people. It doesn't mean you got to be the most outgoing person in the world to, to, to be able to be a host, to be able to love on people. Bobby will tell you he's not the most outgoing person in the world. Uh, but you know what? He loves our church, he loves Jesus, and he loves people. Um, he's willing to serve. Um, so, so we need some more people on our first impressions team. Number two, Kid City. Um, Kid City is, I think, going to explode over there. Uh, we're going to have better facilities for our kids. We're going to have space for our kids. If Kid City exploded right now, we wouldn't have anywhere to put them. Um, and, and so I, I really believe there's a reason why it hasn't. Um, God sends us what you've got room for. Uh, but we're going to have room for more kids. Um, and, and I believe that we're going to see more kids come be a part of our church. Um, and so we need people to be ready for them. We're going we're to be ready to ride that wave for Kid City. Um, now, Kid City, you don't sign up and, and serve every week back there. It, it's, man, a, a once-a-month commitment. Um, so you're going to get to still be a part of everything else that's going on. We're not asking you to give up your whole life. Um, but, but if you can serve once a month and impact the life of a kid, Man, that'd be a huge blessing for us. Uh, number three, and this is probably the most urgent of them all. All of them are important. Um, but I don't know if you've noticed, we haven't really had any sound guys. Like, we've had worship team members filling in on sound and me filling in on sound. I don't know if you come in and I'm, like, hanging out at the soundboard on Sunday morning. It's not because I just really loved running sound. Um, it's because we lost, like, four sound guys in, like, six weeks. And uh, not because they ran sound, other reasons. Um, but we, we need some people who can run sound. Uh, and that doesn't mean you need to know how to run sound. It just means you need to be willing to, to do it. Uh, we'll get you trained up. It's actually very simple. You don't need to know what all 342 dials do or however many it is. I made that number up. Um, but, uh, but we need some people who, who are available to come in and to help us out with that. That's our media team. Um, we, we also maybe have one slot available on the computer. The computer side's in a lot better shape, but the sound side is it, it, we, we need help. Um, and so if you can help in, in any of those areas, um, again, they all start with, with a once-a-month commitment. A couple of them, you could go more than that if you wanted to, if you had that desire. Um, it's not going to be all the time. Uh, but with, what we need to do is we need to get people trained up over here so that by the time we get over there, we know what we're doing uh, because that's when the people are going to come. So uh, we need to get signed up here quick. We're, we're going to jump on it. Whatever signatures, you know, anybody who signs up, we're going to be calling you this week, getting you trained up here in the next few weeks and ready to go. Uh, so number one, uh, pick your... your uh, Destiny days, your work days. Number two, join the go team. Uh, number three, pray. Hopefully, I don't need to say this, but maybe I do. Pray, 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 pray. Uh, we started this year out with this statement, and, and I think it's so true. It has to happen in the spiritual before it happens in the natural. We're not going to get over there and just grow because we're in another building. We're going to get over there and grow because we've been seeking God. We've been hearing from God. We've been pursuing God because we saw this wave coming, and we decided, you know what, I'm going to swim into the wave. And when we got into the wave, we were ready. And, and we're talking about a whole lot of practical things, and there's a lot of practical things that need to be done. But don't miss the spiritual side on this, guys. we got to grow. And talking to God, asking God, man, ask him to send us people for work days. Ask him to send us people for go team. Ask him to send us people uh, to, to come be a part of the church, people who need Jesus, people who are far from him. Pray, 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 pray. Cover this thing November 5th. Man, pray for that first service. Man, pray. Number four, again, hopefully I don't have to say this, but man, bring your friends and family to City Church. I have been super low pressure this year. I have asked you to bring people once in 2017. I asked you to bring somebody on Easter. I have not been in your, all up in your face every week. Bring somebody, bring somebody, bring somebody, bring somebody. I know you know people. You have friends. So now's the time. Um, man, start thinking about who those people are going to be. Start thinking about who, who, who are those people that God puts on your heart. What I'm going to do over the next five weeks, starting next week, I'm going to give you an example kind of person for you to invite. Uh, so, so it's not just bring somebody. It's okay. Uh, who, who's that friend in your life who, who used to be real serious about their faith but, but maybe got hurt by a church and hasn't been in church for a long time? That's your example for today. Who's that person? Start thinking that through. I'm going to bring that person. I'm going to start praying over them by name that November 5th, they're going to come to church with me. And then we'll go through a whole list over the next five weeks of different people that you can pray through and, and, and begin to, to bring. So bring somebody. Um, and then number five, last thing, this is your other card that you got. It's the pretty one. Um, step into your destiny with us together financially. Here's what we're going to do, guys. I'm not going to ask you to turn this in. 
This is for you to put on your dashboard, to put on your refrigerator, to have as your bookmark in your Bible, wherever you feel like it needs to be. Somewhere you're going to see it. If you don't read the Bible, don't put it there. Uh, But read your Bible. Uh, But we're going to need about $10,000 more than we've raised so far. Um, And I wrestled with this because I did not want to go back and ask for more money. I didn't want to go back and ask for money in April the first time, but I'm so glad that I did. I'm so glad that we put that out there, that we're positioned now. We, we don't have to raise $30,000. We have to raise $10,000. We're, we're, we're on our way. Um, and I can, I'll be very, very honest, guys, and this is probably breaking all the leadership rules, but we can have service if nobody gives a dime. We can get in there, and we can have church. But to do this right, to position ourselves to ride this wave, to position ourselves to reach this city with the calling that I believe God has put on our church, that we can't do without a little bit more. Um, I'm asking our church to come up with another $10,000. You can continue to use online the Together We Are Brave line. If you give through the app, if you're giving on your on your offering envelope here, you can use the other projects. Um, it's it's $10,000 in basically five weeks because we already did offering today. I did that on purpose. I'm not trying to guilt you into giving something today. I want you to be able to pray this over. That's $2,000 a week we got to come up with, guys. We can do it. We, we can do it. It'll stretch us a little bit. Stretch me already uh, the first time we did this. Um, so I want you to pray through, God, what would you have me to give? If you already gave to Together We Are Brave, pray it through. If you didn't give to Together We Are Brave, really pray it through. Uh, but put it before God. And if God says, you know what, here's the other things you got going on in your family and I'm not calling you to give, man, that's awesome. I'm not coming hunting down any money from anybody. But if God pricks your heart and says, you know what, I want you to be a part of this. I want you to help position this church to ride this wave. In fact, I'm going to dare you to to, to paddle out into this wave financially. If God will do that and speak that to your heart, man, it would be so awesome for you to be a part of helping us make this happen. We can put this together. We can put a $1.2 million facility together for another $10,000. I mean, like, really? When you look at it like that, it's like, yeah. If if we just had to give $10,000 to get it, we would get it like that. Come on. It wouldn't take us any time to come up with it. We can do this. I'm confident that we can. So I'm just asking you to pray. Consider being a part of it. Those five things, I'm putting them in front of you all five weeks. Our our destiny days, our work days, our go team, praying, giving to be a part of this. And number four, I forgot, yeah, bringing people. That matters too. Those five things over the next six weeks, we do those things, man. We're going to be positioned to ride this wave. And see how far God can take us. I think it's going to be amazing. Let me say this too. If, if you're not a part of City Church, if you're a guest with us today, and you're like, man, I did not come to hear a sermon about your church. We don't do this a lot, and I'm sorry. This is a really, really unique and amazing time for us. And, and we got to talk about some in-house stuff. But, but I, can, I will say this. The principles that we discussed today, they apply to any aspect of your life. When you see a wave coming, when you see God moving, man, paddle everything you got out into the middle of that thing. Get ready to ride that wave. You can't conjure it up. You can't make it happen, but you can ride it. Man, there's a book being written about your life. You got the opportunity to determine what's going to be written. What's God going to read when he opens that book about your life and says, here's the deeds that you did. Man, what an awesome thing. Apart from everything going on at City Church, remember those two things. Ride God's wave and write the best possible book that you can. Would you pray with us today?